Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community. From legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues, to modern day turkey hunters embracing technology while maintaining the traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in the woods. That's the North American Wild Turkey. Catman... Like we mentioned, you're the episode one guest, so no pressure on you, but I'm, I sent out a text message to Joey and Matt, I don't know, a week ago or so, and uh, with the idea of talking about scouting for turkeys, and I think everybody's mind immediately went to you. Am I, am I right on that, guys? Like, that was pretty much, he's kind of the poster child for turkey scouting. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, or as out of anybody that I see or follow on social media, I know Catman. He scouts more than anybody that I know of. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I kind of want to <clears throat> just dive into that. Um, not anything that a lot of people, a lot of people don't really do it a lot. Like some people just go out maybe a couple days before season and scout for fresh sign or listen for gobbles, but not a lot of people doing what you're doing. As far as like going out, you know, a month in advance and trying to find, figure out where the, where the flocks are at. So tell me kind of where you started doing that. I know you, you're not, you haven't been a lifelong hunter, but you have, um, absolutely crushed it with deer and turkeys. Uh, tell me when you started figuring out that this scouting stuff was actually beneficial with birds. Um, uh, I guess it's just the mentality that more intel is always better. Like you can go into a new spot you've never hunted before and be successful with turkeys. They're vocal in the spring. As long as there's a population, you can go in completely blind and, and do great. I think the reason I scout is just to learn new places more than anything because I can keep hunting the same places I always do. And uh, they've, they're loaded with turkeys and I'll circle back around to them often. But uh, it's the whole idea of all the untouched land out there I haven't even seen yet and learning a new place and finding out which places got more birds, which places are not worth going back to. Sometimes the only way to find that out is to actually go and scout it ahead of time. So I don't waste a trip, you know, hunting, which I'll, I'll go out there during season two and waste a trip or two here and there. But, uh, I mean, we're talking, we're a month out from season and I'm just chomping at the bit. I want a turkey hunt, but I can't. So what's the next best thing I can do? I can go out and listen to them gobble on the roost and get some intel for when season does open. Catman, since the season in Tennessee is opening uh, two weeks later, is that going to affect any kind of scouting? Are you going to do anything different? Um, Not really. Cause, uh, well, we'll have, we'll have to see, cause I'll be hunting Alabama and probably Mississippi 
before Tennessee opened since Tennessee bumped back two weeks. I'll still scout at the normal times, like end of February. I'm still going to be going out there listening to it because they're not going to gobble two weeks later. I'm still going to go out and listen and uh, do some poking around, walk some hills. I like to I like to scout real hill country uh, before season because not only do I get some potential intel, but it, it, it's good exercise, get me kind of knocked back into shape before I start chasing them. Because, you know, if you haven't been walking hills for months and all of a sudden you're out there on opening day and he's two ridges over and you're out of breath after the climbing halfway up the first ridge, you know, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> so I'll get out a month in advance and start, you know, putting some miles in, not only for intel and hearing turkeys and finding turkeys, but also to get myself into shape. Do you do you take any anything that you like? turkey sightings during deer season like do you use that a whole lot do you think about like do you mark turkeys that you see during deer season or is it kind of just uh like yeah they're here now but they're definitely not going to be here in the spring no i just make mental note of all of it um every spot's different some places they'll be there in the spring some places they won't be anywhere near uh but i at least make mental note of it i'm kind of you know i like to get an idea of the general population of birds you know are they thick in there or is there a few here and there or am i or is there none at all uh, so yeah i mean if i see them during deer season i'll take note of it uh whether or not it affects the spring season just depends on the spot and you know the whole situation right to, you, there's no telling really the, re- the yeah, reason i of, ask go ahead matt yeah but kind of what you're talking about i've with the making mental note of of turkeys in the fall I hear a lot of people, they'll say, oh, the turkeys are here during deer season, but they're nowhere to be found, you know, during the spring. And my question to that, you know, for myself is why? Where, you know, where are they moving? Are they just, are these people just hunting 100 acres and they've moved, you know, to a different spot where there's better better bugs and, and you know, yeah, just general protection? They, uh, in the fall, let's say, um, for example, and this, and it's, there's no exact formula. You can't say, well, they got this and that, so they're going to be here. It could be different from one spot to the next. But uh, I think in general, say in the fall, you got some big woods and there's a bumper crop of acorns. They're going to be up in those hills in the big woods. And then say in the springtime, you got thicker cover and crop fields down in the bottoms away from the big woods. Uh, you're probably going to see more strutting in the fields and, and hens nesting in the briar patches along the fields in the spring and uh, thing is in the spring they they disperse so your your odds of seeing them in different places is higher in the spring so what i've noticed with fall flocks or winter flocks is i would say more often than not they're going to be there in the spring but not all of them like say you see 30 turkeys in a flock while you're deer hunting you're not going to see 30 turkeys there but there's probably going to be a couple turkeys at least or in the area, if the habitat's mm-hmm. right, there's still going to be something there. Yeah, I've seen I, that a lot. You, you've got me wanting to dive off into habitat and talking about, you know, food and whatnot like that, but we'll we'll save that for later in the, in the show. Yeah. I think whenever I think about scouting for turkeys mentally, like the first thing that comes to my mind is going out and listening, right? Listening for gobbles early in the morning, maybe right before the sun goes down and right before it comes up, you know, going out and doing that. I'm interested, Catman, 
as far as your pre pre preseason scouting, are you doing a lot of like covering ground and actually looking for yeah. scratch and sign and things like that? Yeah, like I said, that goes back to the whole putting miles in to get into shape. Uh, they're flocked up, you know, before season. If I go a month before season, they're pretty well flocked up. So you could walk five miles and not see a track, and then you could get into a big flock of them. So, yeah, you're going to have to cover some ground. If you're not listening on the roost, if you're like midday walking and not visually scouting, or not, sorry, not uh, listening for, for birds, if you're visually scouting, yeah, you're going to have to potentially cover some ground to, to find them. Like if I walked a mile, if I, let's say I walked one ridge, let's say there's a chunk of public land and it's got five or six different big ridge systems and I only walk one of them and don't see any turkeys. Well, I can say, oh, there's no birds in there, but I, is there really no birds in there? I didn't walk even a quarter of it. Yeah, so, you can you can hear a lot further than you're really willing to walk, technically. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's where the, the getting out early in the morning and waiting till you know closer to season comes into play when they're gobbling more. Uh, getting ears is the best, easiest way to get intel on where birds are at. But uh, again, I mean, if it's late February, early March, I got nothing better to do. I'm going to be out there walking just because why not? I'm curious. There's always something to learn. So I've heard I've heard people for a long time um, talking about how you should never make a turkey call at a turkey before turkey season, right? Like that's kind of what people generally believe um it's illegal on on public on wmas in tennessee it's illegal from march 1st until opening of season really yeah even with your mouth like like you can't make a turkey sound on a wma from march 1st until opening day in tennessee i I I think think you can still anywhere uh, oh wow i think i'm sure it's different from from state to state i don't because i mean it's just the whole thing of like potentially educating them, making them nervous if you call one in and it doesn't see any right. spooks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it's not going to ruin anything, but it's, I mean, it's not a good idea either. Like, why would you go out there calling them before season? What's the point? The whole point of calling them is to call one in and kill it. Right. So, why would you call to them now? Locator call, maybe just to make them gobble, but yeah. what's the point of going out and calling if you're not trying to kill them? Yeah, well, first, there's uh, there's there's going to be plenty of guys during season that are going to be yelping on box calls and stuff from those roads and trails and so on and so forth. Anyway, you, there there's no need to to have that a month before season too. I've just had yeah. I've had I mean, weird no thoughts point. about uh, like conflicting thoughts about that versus um like walking in walking around putting boots on the ground in habitat where you know there's turkeys at. I guess that's always been kind of like the mental thing. Like if I get in there and they see me and I bust them out of there, uh, I feel like that could be more damaging. Whereas it makes sense. I've never done this. I don't, I don't, (laughs) this isn't something I typically do. Um, But being able to just walk ridges, make sounds, trying to get one to gobble to mark. um, I, I don't know. I just, wonder why that's not obviously if it's illegal then that makes a lot of sense does that make, I wonder does if that make it's, sense what um, i'm asking i wonder if it's I one think, of those uh, things i wonder if it's one of those things that was more like a uh a hunter outcry 
way back when. Yeah. Like it was just one of those things that enough people got worked up about like, Hey, we don't need people coming into the WMAs and calling to these turkeys because they'll get call shy. And yeah. maybe, yeah, that I mean, the- that's a, it's a thing on heavily pressured land. So you got a hunt club or a WMA, you don't want 15, 20 guys coming in doing the same thing. I see why it's illegal on public, mm-hmm. uh, on private. I don't, I don't see why it should make a difference. That's up to you. If you want to, if you got your own burst to yourself, do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. The way, the way I've seen it and read it, calling to a bird is you're pursuing it and you're technically hunting that bird. Yeah, that's that kind point. of probably how the game wardens would see it. Yeah. With, hunting. Yeah, because, I mean, we've all been there where we're riding in a truck and we see a turkey on the side of the road and we try to call to it and have it gobble. Well, oh, technically... I'm horn everything. I'll yeah, have my you, motor at them and make it gobble. <laughs> I know. You, 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 you want to see it, but it, you know, the minute you call to it, you're technically pursuing that bird. Yeah. So that that's that's where I see it and how I how I read it. That's not yeah. something that's at really. I really haven't ever heard a discussion on the topic. To be honest with you, it's just kind of like one of those things that people don't really think about. But I could see how a beginner turkey hunter would think, "I'm going to go find turkeys. How do I find turkeys? I go out on a ridge with a." daggone box call and start calling start wailing get, on a, it, get a hooting stick get an owl hooting stick and learn how to use it because that'll that'll make him sound off um yep. i really don't care one way or another if you call it a turkeys before season but if you're sharing the land with other people especially public or anywhere that's got a bunch of people hunting the same property it's kind of uh, it's kind of courtesy and common sense not to go around blowing a turkey call before season because you're not the only guy hunting those ridges you want to be considerate and not you, know, you think somebody else might want to do the same thing and then all of a sudden you got four or five guys running the same ridge blowing turkey calls and it's not even season yet i mean just look at your situation if you got other fellow hunters to keep in mind then you know use common sense but if you got if you got those bursts to yourself i don't care what you do you know call to them before season or don't like so i guess if, all if this are, if you're the only one hunting them all this kind of leads to the question for me of where or, or what are you doing as far as like listening times, you know, early in the morning, late in the evening, are you just going out and listening or are you actually doing something, doing something to try to like coax on a gobble? Before season, I don't really carry any calls. I'm just listening. I'm waiting for the sunrise to make them gobble when yeah. it cracks light. They, I mean, most times they're going to gobble in the morning. Evening's a little more hit and miss, but you get get out there in a good morning in the early spring. If you're within your shot of gobblers, they're probably going to gobble at least a couple times. If And on a hot morning, they're going to gobble 50 times, 100 times. So there's no point. It, honest, more to me, at least, there's no point. In, uh, I think – I think they'll probably gobble better too before season before that pressure gets in there and they start yeah, getting a little wise to it. So they, yeah, so they're going to gobble a lot anyway, I think. Yeah. They haven't been, they haven't been uh, spooked by people with Turkey calls yet. And they're also flocked up. So they're yeah. like, they're not on edge yet They're And they do feel safer in winter flocks. You see how dumb they act when they're in big flocks, you walk into a field and they just walk to the other side and look at you. When they're split up in the spring, they they see you and take off flying. It's like a different; they're like a different animal. So yeah, in the before season, they're flocked up. They're feeling comfortable and they're feeling frisky. 
uh, I mean, they're they're going to be more talkative and less skittish. So just get out there in a good listening spot and just be quiet and wait for the more chances are you're going to have owl hoot anyways. If you got a lot of barred owls around, you won't even have to. They're going to gobble at everything. I had a uh, last year. Uh, was it two weeks before season? I don't remember. Scouted a new spot, one of those spots I just went to to walk. I started out listening, and then I walked the rest of the day. But I get out there, it cracks daylight. I'm on top of a big bluff, so I can hear all directions. And a couple birds start gobbling. Owl goes off, and then a coyote howl, and they gobble at the coyote. It's like I didn't have to do anything but sit there and listen. How long ago did you yeah. say that was? Last year. Oh, last year. That's true. Two weeks. Now, I know a lot of people get on the roost hunt, you know, frenzy that they're going to go roost a bird the day before a season or whatnot and go hunt them the next day. So I had a conversation with one of my buddies. He said, if I go roost a bird, you know, two weeks, go find out kind of where they roost. He said, are they going to be in the same tree? And oh, me, you know, I, I, you know, they they could be. I feel like they have like five or six different roost trees, but they're going to be in that same general general area. Um, that's Probably what just what I've at seen. Least, at least in the same general area, but there's no nothing set in stone with turkeys. They're, they've yeah. got a mind of their own. They might be in the same exact tree. They might be two trees over. They might be you know, two farms over, like mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's no answer to that question. Well, I guess the answer is go out and find out. Like if yeah, you roost them, if you roost them two weeks before season. That's good. You know, there's turkeys in the area. That's about the best intel you got is they're in the area and they like to roost there sometimes, but are they going to be there opening day? Well, we'll go on opening day and find out. Yeah. And if they're and- not, <laughs> then get up and move and start finding, you know, find them. And this is, and that's what, you know, that's kind of what you're saying with your – that's all you, you're doing with your scouting adventures, you know, a month before the season. You're getting ideas where these turkeys are currently to make yeah, a right move for sure the season. I'm making sure that they're there, first of all. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning the lay of the land. So if there's a, like a, a ravine, like a ditch that's too deep or a woven wire fence on the property mm-hmm. line, I need to know about stuff like that. And knowing there's turkeys in the area, that's that's the main thing. But now if they're, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to find an exact spot to kill one opening morning. I just know where I'm going to start out if I yeah. do there. Yeah, and like you said, with the knowing the land and the fences and whatnot, I've had issues where I've gone into somewhere blind, and you can you can look at a map and read a map, you know, as well as you can read a map without walking the land. And, you know, there may be a ravine off in front of you, and, well, no wonder that gobbler did it fly over to you he wasn't gonna you know come over to you anyways because of what it was so that's great just being in the woods being familiar with what you're going to be around yeah yeah any like like kind of goes back to what i first said any kind of intel helps like i'm just out there getting intel i'm not it's not telling me exactly where to set up opening morning it's just telling me you know giving me an idea of the lay of the land and if there's birds how many there are where they were hanging out where they might be hanging out, you know, just a starting point. Same thing with map. Like you said, like you can, you can read a map as good as you can, but that's still just a starting point. You still yeah. got to get out there and hunt. Got to be in person. When you're out there uh, finding signs, scratching and stuff, 
uh, would imagine a turkey to eat anything. You know, we know that. Are yeah. you finding certain? Are you finding certain kind of food sources earlier in your scouting, like in that late February, early March? Like, are they kind of starting up maybe higher up on the ridges if there are any acorns? Uh, maybe early on, and then maybe as the like the month of March, let's say, as it progresses, do you kind of find more sign like in creek and river bottoms when stuff is starting to kind of green up, uh, and they're scratching around logs or getting grubs and bugs and stuff out of those? Like, are you just seeing certain types of food source um, preseason? Like, in, is there like a timeline, so to speak, that you're finding certain things? Not really, honestly. They're pretty much all over. And um kind of brings up an interesting point. A lot of the places I scout that and hunt that have a lot of turkeys are mixed habitat where you'll have hardwood ridges and hollers that come down to a creek and then there's a cornfield or some ag or something. So you got a little bit of everything and they're back and forth. They're not on one versus the other. They'll be in that field sometimes and they'll be in the woods sometimes and they're constantly back and forth. There's no... I haven't noticed a one food source that turkeys eat. They pretty much just scratch around and eat whatever they can find wherever. You know, they got greens and maybe some bogs and maybe some leftover grains from the ag fields. And then they've got maybe some leftover acorns and, and other stuff and bogs like up under logs and stuff in the woods. I mean, they, they pretty turkeys eat whatever they can find wherever they go. And, uh, the best places are the mixed habitat that's got food everywhere. So I don't notice anything specific. They're just kind of back and forth. Um, I guess the specific thing I notice is a little bit of everything in one place and usually a body of water or something. I always thought it was really cool. Uh, I always thought it was really cool coming across those big rotten logs that they've torn into. It almost looks like a bear been in there where they tear into them things and get them grubs out. Yeah, I don't know if I've actually noticed that, but yeah, they'll scratch whatever they can get into. Um, usually, like the the most sign that I will see, you know, scouting those late winter flocks is um, scratching the leaves, and you can see them scratching fields too, where they raked the whatever was on the field, whether it's you know greens or leftover corn stubble, they'll scratch in that too, but. A lot of times it's in hardwoods where I see little pines where I see the most scratching. That's obvious, you know, when when you got it raked to the side and you see a couple hackle feathers and maybe some droppings. Armadillos kind of will throw me off sometimes because they every now and again armadillos will just rake a spot clean instead of digging their like their little holes that they do to eat grubs. Every now and again, armadillo will rake a spot. It looks like turkey scratch at first, but if you start poking around and you're seeing the little holes in the ground, you know it's armadillo. They have fooled me with turkeys and deer more than probably any other critter. Yeah, they, armadillos use a deer trail too, or deer will use an armadillo trail. I'm not sure who started the trail, but they use the same <laughs> trails. Yep. And they sound like a dang deer. Like, to me, there's not anything... It's not like a Kroger bag running through the woods. There, there's not another movement in the leaves that sound more like a deer than an armadillo. Because, like, they'll move just, like, real quick, like... And they'll stop. And it's like... It's a, it's like a, it's a heavy sound, because they... I mean, if you actually mm -hmm. watch one, they don't really freaking know where they're going, right? Like, 
They no, just kind of just going oh, wherever the Lord leads. <laughs> and uh, this was, um, I think this was pretty close to you, Joey. Back in October, I deer hunted this spot, and uh, it was it was a rut hunting spot. But I was coming in there a little early to see if I would catch a deer cruising. Didn't see any deer that day, but I I get up on the ridge and there's an armadillo. So I sneak up to it and caught him by the tail and took a picture of him and let him go. And he ran, he ran off and I heard another movement and there's another armadillo right next to him. I'm like, dang, they're out everywhere. I climb up a tree and I'm hunting for a couple hours and I hear something. Here comes an armadillo feeding down towards me. I shot that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they even just walk up to him and pick them up. And if you, if they hear you or smell you, especially if they smell you, they spook, but, they're about they're they're worse than a pig. They're, mm-hmm. They can't see good. They act like they can't see at all. Yeah, yeah. But but if they catch wind of you, they'll stick their nose in the air, and you know you're busted. Then you're not gonna catch it. Uh, to this oh, day, uh... my best video on Instagram, uh, Instagram Reels, most views is when I spit, I spit out my Copenhagen on a dang uh, armadillo, and, like double lunged him uh, <laughs> on shot placement. And he just like pops yeah, up so, like a little weirdo and like does this weird roll and runs out of there. Uh, the jumpy. I saw somebody online, forget where it was. Somebody called them startle pigs. <laughs> startle pigs. That's a, they're possum. That's possum on the half shell is what it they are. Possum. Yeah. It is possum on the half shell. Dude, possums are the same dang way though. You can just walk up to one. I, I picked one up it. in Kentucky. I was deer hunting Kentucky. Well, no, I was turkey hunting that day in December uh, in Kentucky. And I was heading back to the truck, and I walk up to this possum and I petted him on the back, picked him up, set him down, petted him, and he just sat there. You know, because they play possum, they actually like. I don't think they can physically move when they go into that state. They just kind of go limp. Like it's like a defense mechanism. So like they just lay they just lay there and drool and then as soon as I turned to walk away, he took off and started running away. Yeah. Like it's like the fainting goats. They can't control it. They just go limp through like that's like they're I don't know I don't know why it's a defense mechanism. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but that's Yeah, but they, 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 and they can they can sense when you're gone too. That's that's the funny thing, like I've stood over one and it didn't, you know, it just stayed there. But as soon as I like turned my back or walked off, it was, it was gone. As soon as you turn your back, they get up and walk away. It's weird. <laughs> All right. So bringing it back to turkeys, uh, Catman, I know you've got, you use a boat a lot in your, uh, in your videos and stuff. Um, for deer and turkeys, it does seem like up until a little more recently, you kind of used the boat more for turkeys. Uh, does it come into play in your scouting at all? Like, do you ever go just sit out in the lake between a bunch of ridges and listen? Um, if I do, I'm fishing. I'm not going to take the boat out just to listen unless I'm hunting usually. Um, cause you cover a lot of ground quickly with the boat. You can sit in the middle of the lake and listen to six different ridges and then take off and go hunt over there. You know, uh, that's one of those things where I don't usually like when I'm scouting, I'm getting out of the truck and I'm walking most of the time. I'm not saying I won't scout from a boat, 
I mean, if I'm, you know, right place, right time, I got the boat, I want to go out and, and yeah, but no, usually if I'm, if I'm hunting off the boat, I'm just going out there based off previous intel, or I'm just going in blind and taking the boat out and hopping around and see what I can find. It seems like. I kind of want to go ahead, Parker. I'm, I'm going to stick on this just real quick, Joey. I know for me with a boat, um, it's kind of a big commitment. I think that may be what you're saying. Like if you're going to go out and commit to going and listening, it's a little bit easier to commit to going fishing and actually going and doing something and doing something with your time, maybe after you listen or whatever. Uh, but the other thing about the boat, one of the reasons why I like it, because personally I don't do a lot of preseason scouting. And so during season, it is absolutely beneficial to go out and listen and cover a lot of your ears can cover a lot of ground um, in one spot rather than walking in. And so I typically yeah, lean on the I boat think more than that. That brings up an interesting topic is a lot of places you can take a boat to. You can also walk to not everywhere. A lot of times you use a boat to get to places where you can't park and walk. But uh, a lot of times, you know, let's say we got this side of the river there's a parking spot and it's like several hundred acres. You can bounce around down the shore by boat where you can park and walk in. And then you got another spot on the other side of the river. You can park and walk in. But if you put the boat in at the ramp, you can hunt both sides quickly. So if I'm scouting, it kind of goes back to the whole covering ground and getting exercise thing where I'm trying to cover those ridges physically. I'm not trying to listen from a boat when I'm scouting. I'm trying to go and walk some miles and if there's a place to park, then why would I take the boat if I'm trying to cover ground? If I want to listen and go out on the boat and hunt both sides of the river, then I'll do that during season, more than likely. I think um, I think a boat would probably help you too with your approach, like like with a uh, a pretty pressured area, like say a bunch. A lot of the access is from a trail up on top of the ridge. Well, every Joe Blow is going to walk down that ridge and blow their calls and try to solicit you know any kind of gobbles but if you slip in there maybe in that creek bottom at the head of that creek bottom in a boat and you chop and you hop out and you start calling maybe you're the odds of you hearing a turkey have increased pretty significantly because you awesome. haven't you, you haven't think, called from where everybody else has been calling yeah that's a good point is calling from a different angle um if i do run into that kind of pressure it, it doesn't seem to matter if it's by boat or by land if there's a lot of pressure there's going to be people on boats too so you're going to have other guys coming in from their boat up into the cove so mm -hmm. i don't i don't like personally I haven't noticed much of a difference in that because if there's pressure it's coming from both angles more than likely you know if, if everybody knows about a spot and it's say 70 percent of it you have to have a boat to access then everyone who hunts there is going to probably have a boat so it just depends on where you're at and what the pressure's like. That's right. I yeah. found I found that the best places to use a boat are where there's not a whole lot of boat access. Because most people are going to choose walking in over using the boat. Yeah. So you'll find yeah, honestly, less pressure. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it, it all depends on where you're at. Like if there's not much boat access, I'm probably going to walk in myself too. It just depends where I'm hunting and what's the best way to get in there. That's my that you just proved my point, and I would be back there where all the stinking turkeys are at. 
not shooting them and you'd probably call them in from the road. Uh, <laughs> where, where, where are the birds at? At least where I'm self-aware, you know? Uh, Where's there a bird that doesn't have three other guys calling to him? I, I use a boat, I use a truck, I use a bicycle, I don't care. Did you, you seem like you're, you're successful a lot early, like super early in the season. I know one year uh, I was following along with you pretty closely, maybe been two or three years ago. It was like back to back to back to back to back. Um, but I do know that you have done that a lot where you kill pretty good amount of birds early. Do you feel like that's because of your scouting? Um, or do you just feel like maybe you've hunted these areas for so long, you can kind of pretty well predict it. Um, well, I don't know. Cause I've got into birds that in new spots that I just found and I've got into birds that I knew were going to be there cause they were always there. Um, I don't always do good early. Like I might kill one or two, um, past couple of years I've done pretty good early last year. I, I'd actually tagged out a little bit later. I wasn't shooting too good last year. I missed a few, but I was in birds last year. I was in birds all season long. But I wasn't doing I wasn't doing good on the killing end. But I was in birds more often than not last year. Um, a lot of it, like if I'm getting into a bunch early, I mean, there's no telling. It could be a spot like 2013, 2014. I was the only spots I knew at the time, and they were they were covered up in birds, so I was killing birds early. And then uh, I don't know, like last year, I was hunting some new some new ridges that I hadn't even really scouted. You know, like opening weekend, I was driving around hitting new spots and getting into birds. So it just depends. I kind of want to veer to your out-of-state stuff. You said you were going to go to Alabama. And I forget uh, where else you said, maybe Mississippi. You know, whatever's opening before Tennessee. And I kind of want to pick your brain about how you prep and quote-unquote scout or maybe even e-scout for those trips, I kind of want to hear your process because when I, when I go out of state, I start homework. Of course, I'm going to be gone for a week and I'm usually gone like, you know, Oklahoma or Nebraska or some of those, uh, you know, way out West places somewhere I'm just committed to be for a week. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to get out there and scout beforehand. So I do, I do homework months in advance. I was talking to my biologist down in Florida actually today and I ain't going down there for another couple of months. Um, so I kind of want to see, do you make any kind of phone calls to property managers or some of those regional offices to these states that you're going to? Um, and maybe what are you looking for in some of those out of state WMAs that, uh, would make you want to go set your boots on there? Uh, I haven't really, made calls or asked anybody honestly most of the time i'm just going off of uh map scouting and county harvest data if they get that available i'll I'll make sure you know that there is a population that's worth hunting there if it's a really low harvest county i'm probably going to steer away from it Uh, if it's really high harvest county or it's like near a state line or near like a big city i'm going to expect more company but um i just kind of try to find that middle ground make sure that they're reporting a good number of birds there being harvested. And then I'm looking for that mix of habitat on the map, I'm looking for a little bit of everything in some good woods, maybe a couple fields here and there. Um, 
and I'm not just looking at the public, I'm looking at surrounding private, you know, turkeys don't see property lines. I'm looking for something, the whole area looks good for turkeys and then zero in on a few spots, drop a few pins and then I'll go, if I have time, I'll go scout. But a lot of times I don't have time to scout. So I'll just go in, I'll pick my listening spot on the map. That'll be a high point and, uh, and kind of hope for the best go there first morning and climb up on top of a hill I've never been on before and listen. It's usually what I do. Now, if I've been there before, say Alabama, I might go back to a place I've hunted there before. And uh, I know where I'll start out based on hunting there in the past. But if it's a new spot, I'm just kind of winging it. If um, if a WMA has like harvest data for you know, WMA harvest data, how heavily are you kind of relying on that data to tell you whether or not you want to hunt there? Like if there's so many birds killed, uh, if there's a bunch of birds killed in a smaller WMA, like I would, I would assume that the population would be denser there. Either that, or there's just a bunch of dudes going in there and killing turkeys. Like, yeah, you... a small, a small WMA with a high harvest count. I'm probably getting, it's not going to be my first choice. I know there's going to be a lot of birds there, but that's, there's probably going to be a lot of people because you know, harvest data is birds that have actually been killed. So there's more birds getting killed on less area. There's more, a lot more people in there hunting them too. So I try to find the middle ground because I like, I don't want to have no birds. I don't want to struggle to find a bird, but I also don't want to have like five other guys hunting the same birds. So I try to find the middle ground and a little pressure here and there. I mean, you're going to run into people pretty much everywhere, but I like to try to find a sweet spot where it's enjoyable hunting. I have a lot of woods to myself, but also have a few birds to hunt. I kind of nerded out one day and made me a big spreadsheet of all the WMAs in this particular state. And I got the, uh, the harvest data. They had that listed the amount of acreage in each WMA. And I compared, you know, uh, like how many acres it took to kill one, one Turkey, uh, basically, you know, just, it was just simple division. And then I even broke that down further. Now I have no idea if this is ever going to help me at all. But I'm just telling you, I just got on a roll one day and I just started playing with stuff. Was this like late uh, January when you were coming out of your cave? Yeah. yeah this is right about Christmas time uh, when stuff started kicking off in, in the turkey mines. But uh, so, yeah, I would I would kind of figure out how many acres it took, you know, how many acres per turkey that WMA had. And then I would kind of compare that number. I was like, okay, took this many acres took this many acres to kill that turkey. Now, what's that compared to the total WMA? Like, is that a small percentage of that WMA or is that a larger percentage of that WMA? So I don't really know how I'm going to really apply any of this, but I just nerded out one day and started doing a bunch of math did, and Excel. I did the same thing, um, not last year, but the year before. I may have sent it to you. Not not the same thing, similar kind of thing with uh, harvest uh, density like birds per yeah. square mile by county. I didn't go by WMA. I went by county. Because yeah. I was looking at the whole turkey population. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably sent it to you. I think I may have sent it to you. But I did yeah, a map did. of a county map of the state of Tennessee. And I, I don't send this to hardly anybody. It's like my secret little uh, map that I have for myself and a couple buddies. But uh, this was from 2020, so I would have to go back and do an updated version, or I'd like to go back and like do several years to show a trend, like which counties are coming up, which are coming down. But the one I have is just for 2020, which is a record har- harvest number because of COVID. So many people were hunting. 
So, um, I mean, it, it's a good idea of like how many birds there are because everybody was out killing them. So um, I color shaded it from light blue to dark blue, dark blue being most birds per square mile per county. So I went, I took a county map and then I went and Googled the uh, acreage or square miles per county, uh, which was pretty easy to find on Google, how many square miles is each county. And they actually, as a website I found, actually had a list, um, which I copied and pasted into a spreadsheet and punched in the math and came out with birds per square mile for the harvest report per county. And so then I just took that uh, birds per square mile, turned it into a percentage of blue. And, and so I would take the blue and, and, you know, solid blue would be like the highest county, which was like ridiculously off the charts. And uh, so that like the darkest color blue was the the highest harvest density county. And then the lightest color was white, which was, I'll go ahead and say it was Shelby County around Memphis. It was the, the worst in the whole state. <laughs> but um, I, I did that and just color shaded all the counties so you could really get a visual on like not not just number of turkeys, but density of turkeys in that county. Because say uh, you got one county around here that's like maybe a third the size of your average county in Tennessee. So the harvest numbers are lower, but it's probably one of the most densely populated counties for turkey in the state. And there's no public on it either. It's all private. But it doesn't rank high on the list because it's such a small county, but it is probably one of the best counties in the state for Turkey. I'll just make my point. Yeah, the, uh... that, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all started talking about Excel spreadsheets, and I was like, all right. Yeah, like, he, like I'm Joey, Joey said, take this. I'm going to go to sleep for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, I did this one night. I got into it for a few hours and made that map. I was like, I'm, and, and I'm not looking for the highest density to hunt because that's where all the people are i'm looking mm -hmm. for those sweet middle ground stuff that gets overlooked like some random county that's in the middle of nowhere and it's like decently you know decent number of birds for the area so i'm like yeah that's where i want to go because it's not going to be on most people's radar but it's also not devoid of turkeys it's actually got a huntable amount of turkeys that's kind of what i'm looking for we should do a, yeah we should find do that like across a... the whole state we should do a charity mm -hmm. event, raise money for something, and you auction off a couple of copies of this this uh, whole sheet right here. No, you ain't putting a price on it. No, you can go and make like, your own. I'd Honestly, rather. Like, not even it, for the it orphans? Doesn't take but, it doesn't take but a little research. You can make your own yeah. map the, way, the same way I did, but I'm not going to just give that away. I'll put my work <laughs> into that. That's like free intel. Like I'd put the work in for that. I'm not just going to yeah. say, hey, here my map like i give it to joey because we're you know we live one county over like we're, we're pretty close we hunt the same area so i gave it to him but uh i'm not just like yeah that's not going to anybody you want <laughs> you want to find that info out go look it up yourself go do it <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yeah it's i'd out rather out there. i'd rather put my social security number on social media than tell people where i heard <laughs> turkeys yeah but Catman, you uh you were saying that you you needed to like line up a bunch of years and kind of figure out a trend. Well, guess what? I did that too. <laughs> so, I did. We're going to have to meet know. up off, off of a, uh, off, off the record. No, man, y'all talk about it. Just hash it out right here. Hash no, it no, out. We're gonna, man. Me and Joe, we are going to, are going to put our heads together and, and put out a whole master plan for turkeys. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. You know, just uh, cause you sent me your map. I'll send you my giant spreadsheet 
of uh, of numbers. But yeah, I uh, think uh, it's interesting. It's, I did, but I did that. I did exactly what you were talking about. You know, kind of find that middle ground, kind of find a county out in the middle of the, like another thing I did too. You can get on Onyx or just whatever other mapping tool probably, and you can draw a radius. Uh, I did it on Caltopo. I think is actually what I did it on. I drew a sixty mile radius around each major city, uh, and if a WMA, you know, fell within that sixty mile radius, I didn't write it off, but it wouldn't be my first choice to go to because I kind of figured it would get hunted pretty hard, and so then I yeah. would. I would that's compare. A key, that's important not to write a spot off. Yeah, completely. Like it might not be your number one choice, but like hunting pressure and like turkey population, you can find out if birds are there by being there. Hunting pressure is going to change sometimes more dramatically than than the turkey population. Yeah, you know, like for example, there's places close close to town here that you know you would expect would be hammered, and most areas around here are hammered. It's a highly populated area. I mean, we got a million people living here. <laughs> and a lot of out-of-state travelers too um but you can still find pockets around here and just have like like nobody's been in here where, where are they at and then on the flip side i was talking about those middle of the nowhere counties yeah a couple years ago i go out and scout and hunt one of those spots and i've only hunted it one time and i killed my bird um and i had that bird to myself because of a really deep ravine between me and the parking area but i had another guy from mississippi who was hunting there who hunted the next ridge over and he said he had people walk in on him all morning. There was nine trucks at the gate when he left at nine in the morning and mm-hmm. uh, nobody got to my bird because of the, the terrain was pretty rough, but the amount of people hunting that place really surprised me. I thought it was going to be overlooked and they were all locals. It wasn't, no, there was no out of state travelers. They were all local hunters, but it was pretty heavy hunting pressure in the middle of nowhere on a kind of like no name place. So you really don't know what the hunting pressure is going to be till you go. Yeah. And some of those places that you see around some of these big towns, like, like you and I know about, those are places that maybe you wait and check out either a couple weeks into the season, or if you get a chance to hunt middle of the week, uh, just times when you know that the hunting pressure is going to be reduced versus that opening weekend. Yeah. Opening weekend, almost every WMA in Tennessee is going to get hammered. Or it used to be in the past. I'm anxious Every to see what this two. For that yeah, I'm anxious. I'm anxious to see what this two week thing does for our pressure because I think Kentucky may open that same weekend. Same, does it not? Same day. We open the same, same time day. Kentucky now. Yeah. Uh, so my plan is to hopefully tag out because they dropped the bag limit on us again. My my mm-hmm. hope is to tag out pretty quick and just start going to Kentucky until I tag out there. Hopefully, and then. The sooner I tag out, the more other places I can hunt. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to cut the later openers going to cut down on some of the out of state pressure just because uh, we opened before a lot of other southern states. I know Arkansas. I know some guys in Arkansas that are still going to be coming to hunt here, but they also have told me that they know a lot of guys from Arkansas who are not going to be coming over here this year because of the later opener. So it's gonna cut back on some of the traveling hunters, you know. But you're still gonna have your diehards like you and me, like all of us. They're still gonna come and hunt. Why not? You got yeah. yeah, there's just a lot more options that are open in the middle of April versus that beginning of beginning of April. You got 
you got states yeah. in the Midwest and like you said, Kentucky. Kentucky I don't know when yeah, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. You couldn't go wrong with either. So you could pick pick either or both. Mm-hmm. And they all, all spread at the same time. It'll it'll spread people out for sure. I'm just anxious to see how how much it really does. Poor South Florida yeah. man. That no, <laughs> we have bad for those people. South Florida, I, I've not hunted there. Uh, maybe someday I will. It's not high on my bucket list. It just doesn't look enjoyable to me. I don't like swamp. <laughs> no. For one thing, I don't. Regardless of where, I don't like hunting in the swamps. So add swamps, palmettos, and five billion other people, and very wary turkeys. Uh, it's just not top of my list. I know it's it be, everyone goes down there. It's the slam. Everybody wants to get there. Osceola. So, like, I get it. But I don't. I guess I just don't care about a slam that much. Not bad enough to go down and fight that crowd in a swamp. Maybe if it was hills, I'd be more inclined. I, I don't like. I don't like it where the lot where the ground is not ground. You know. Yeah, the water's higher than the land. I think. Yeah, they, I, I don't like. You know, think, we're below sea level here, and we got freaking Burmese pythons and stuff everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> black you know, black panthers. I think Dave's yeah, video where the panther. I do, they do have. Yeah, you know, they got mountain lions and everything down there. Did y'all? No, I don't care about the critters. Uh, if I saw a python, that'd be cool. I, I always want to go python down there, but it's not top of my list. It's not my favorite terrain. It's. Just nothing about it sounds good other than killing an Osceola would be the only draw. Yeah. And yeah it'll, um, what's it'll an Osceola anyway? Just like a, just a, basically an Eastern with black wingtips and maybe a little bit longer spurs. It's a cross between basically, a turkey and a buzzard. They're basically <laughs> Easterns. They're, they're just, uh, yeah, they're just Florida Easterns. That was a good one, Joey. I've uh, I've I'll, hunted uh, I've hunted Merriams, I've hunted Osceolas, hunted Rios, and I've hunted Easterns. And there, you are correct. There is something about an Eastern wild turkey. Just the gobble, the hunt experience. It's just a, it's a preferable hunt to me. Um, harder. Most I of wish the time. they would let us keep them as pets here. <laughs> I would love. I would love. I've got a. I've got a Narragansett and a Royal Palm turkey, and I wish I could have a pet Eastern gobbler. I mean, I guess I, I could say it was a, a standard bronze that I got at the flea market, but, you know, if, if they really wanted to get me, they could, you know, do you could probably test it to see if it was Eastern. But they don't let you keep any wild animals in Tennessee as pets, deer, turkey, anything. Um, so it's not legal to have an Eastern wild turkey as a pet. But if I could, I would have one. I wonder if a, I wonder if a a, a a turkey that's born in the wild, like a wild eastern, if it were to be collect like saved or rescued or whatever. Um, I wonder if they could be domesticated, a wild turkey. Well, you could you domesticate young them. enough. I mean, uh, the domestic turkey came from Mexico, which would probably be a gold's turkey originally. The uh, domestic turkeys were wild turkeys from North America and uh, breeds like heritage breeds. Like I have, I've done some looking up like the Royal Palm, black and white turkey and the Narragansett is like a kind of coppery bronze tipped more like, uh, kind of looks more like a, a Rio, except with a more bronze color to it. Real pretty birds, but they were both bred from the uh, domestic farm turkey crossed with Eastern, like a, like I'm pretty sure a Royal Palm is 50% Eastern originally, but I mean, 
that was hundreds of years ago or whenever they bred it. Um, so they got Eastern blood in them, but they're not, you know, they're not pure Easterns. But the, a lot of a lot of uh, heritage turkey breeds, farm turkey breeds, were domestic turkeys, which originally came from Mexico. Some of them went to Europe and then came back here. Like some breeds came from Europe, but the European turkeys came from Mexico originally. So that's funny how everything got traded around. But um, a lot of those breeds do have Eastern in them. We uh, listen. We can. I can talk about royal palms all day. I freaking love them. Yeah, I know you got one on your wall. I got one mounted on the wall. <laughs> that man, uh, I got one with a full fan now. You better, you better hide him. That man, fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred. He's yours, fifteen hundred. I'll even give you a place to crash. A fifteen hundred bucks. I'll provide bush light and a shell, <laughs> and I'll go throw them out in the back cedar thicket. You go call them up. That's cheaper than the last one I shot. <laughs> His beard's only about an inch long. I don't know if he. He's a full-grown gobbler, but I don't know. He must be eating his beard off because it won't grow. God, and you lost Our, one the other day, didn't you? Yeah, I had I yeah. had two Narragansett. One of them got ate by the triple beard. Got ate by coyotes. That's what you God. think. Was, Your boy no, came running up with a with a shotgun. I got him at the taxidermist. I don't think, I don't think you. <laughs> I don't think you chewed the breast off of the bone with with your teeth like like I found him. <laughs> yeah, I found him eating like. Part of the legs and all the breast meat eaten off in the front yard. I, only time I've ever seen a turkey eaten like that was a wild turkey on the neighboring property about seven years ago. Me and uh, my buddy who used to manage that property next door, uh, he had been watching this boss bird all, all spring. And uh, you know, any other gobbler came in, he would fight him off. He was the, the man. He always had the hens. And so he finally wanted to kill that bird. And we go sit in his blind one morning and he's roosted on the other side of the field from us and there's a rise in the field. So when he flies down, we can't see him, but we can see on the fence row across the field, a big blonde coyote sitting there just watching the horizon. And uh, after a while goes by, you know, a couple of hens go by us and they're both missing chunks of feathers like a coyote or something had tried to catch them. And the hens, you know, go off and go to their nest and then we never see the gobbler. So we get up, the coyote disappears. We get up and walk over there, and there's a trail of feathers going in the fence row. And we found this carcass, same way I just found my bird the other day. Whole breast was eaten out. They didn't eat the head. They didn't eat, hardly touch the legs. They just ate the breast off and, you know, left a trail of feathers. And, and that was right at their den. I actually found their den right in that fence row. And it was during pup season, so she's probably feeding her pups. But it, that's the only other time I've seen a turkey eating like that. How much? Um, how much are those tame turkeys teaching you about calling turkeys in the spring? Have you learned anything from them things since you've had them? Um, not a whole lot. They uh, they like fighting. Or the two, the one that got killed before he got killed, they would fight. Him and his buddy would fight sometimes, and you, you know when they start. I mean, you know the sound when you hear it, when they start talking smack to each other, those fighting purrs. They got certain sounds they make where you know they're mad. And they, the posture, I haven't really learned anything I didn't already know, uh, not off the top of my head, but you know when they posture, when they cock their head up like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, you know, that's like an aggressive thing. Uh, so I've seen them do all that. I don't have any hens. I did have a hen last year, and she came up missing. 
Uh, I just bought a couple traps yesterday. I'm, I'm going to try my hand at coyote trapping. I did put a hurting on the coons though. I have, I've got corn out for the past two weeks and not a one picture of a coon yet. Last year I was hard on them. <laughs> and I, also I would saw love a bunch of folks last year. There you go. I would love to have turkeys around my house, but I couldn't deal. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. My wife couldn't deal with all of the turkey crap all over the deck and probably all over the porch and wherever else. Well, just get one or two then. She might like them. You, you never know. They're, turkeys are interesting. They got funny personalities. Like a domestic turkey that was raised around people, they, like, I guess they see you as another turkey. So, like, just earlier today, I poked my head out the door. My turkey was standing out in the in the yard with the chickens minding his business. I opened the door and poked my head out, and he looked at me and popped in the strut. <laughs> like they and then if i were to walk out there he would come up to me and strut circles around me the whole time they're cool they're cool uh, to have around. I, I would all the time be on the yard with a mouth call just messing Joe'd with them be, things you'd be sitting out there indian style petting him on the head <laughs> yeah they are, be like, they're funny they're funny critters i'd be like dr doolittle eventually i'd be talking <laughs> to him <laughs> Well, guys, that was uh, that was awesome, man. I, Catman, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're gonna be getting after it this spring. Do you have any uh, any videos or anything like that from last year that you're gonna be putting out anytime soon? Yes, I'll have a couple. I have one. Adrian killed a bird. I killed a bird. I missed the bird. Um, there's I've got one trip that I probably will post, but I really don't want to. Uh, some good footage, good, good, got into some birds, but I did end up missing one at the end of the trip. So I, it's, that one's going to hurt, but uh, I do have some good hunts coming up too. So uh, there's a couple, there's going to be a couple birds die here in some videos before season. I'll probably post them here this month in the next, I don't know, a couple of weeks. I'll give it a little time. I'll wait a little bit until we're a little bit closer. But uh, yeah, I'll be posting some videos. Sweet, man. That's at, uh, that's a catch and release turkey hunting. That's all the fun. You just ain't got to turn total turkey. It's like bass fishing. It's just yeah. like bass fishing. It's lame. <laughs> 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 all right, dude. Well, thanks for being the first ever guest on the Limb Hanger Podcast. I appreciate you having me, Parker. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods. That's the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.